Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, good evening it is, I'd say, pretty late in the evening if you guys are used to catching this show live. It seems like we're getting a little bit later and later every day, but never you fear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is uh, only a temporary thing. I hope all of you all are doing well tonight on this uh, Wednesday evening, right? It is uh, Wednesday, the middle of the, uh, the week, as it were, and uh, well... As we're at the top of the hill, we're going to go ahead and take in the sights and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. And uh, yes, ladies, we're doing it live on this Wednesday, January 26th, 2022. And I am your host, Mr. C, as per the usual. And uh, it's great to be back with you all tonight. And uh, we've got a great report ahead of you guys as always, thank you all for joining us. We are uh, coming to you live on uh, the foxhole.app, pill.net, clout hub, Twitch, and uh, a couple of other ones. Now, well, Trovo and DLive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, glad you are joining us tonight. If you are hanging out in the audience and catching us live, and uh, well, we'll see what we've got in store for you all as we move along tonight. We had a quite uh, we had a quite couple of days here at the Sea Report at the uh, the beginning of the week. I'd say we uh, I'd say we pounded out some pretty uh, pretty uh, heavy story. Eh, not heavy, just a lot of information. So uh, happy to take a bit of reprieve from exposing exposing the Biden crime family and talking about uh, Ukraine and Russia and all of that stuff that uh, tends to uh, cause one's hair to fall out. Fortunately for me. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. My hair's already done, did that. So uh, I don't got, maybe that's why I don't worry about too many things. Well, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. I apologize for coming to you guys a little later than normal. I mean, this is pretty late for the C-Report. Uh, for those of you catching us on the replay or at the podcast, uh, well, we're coming to you guys live at, what, 9.30 Central Time. Now, this is about the time, if at all, Mr. C in the Dark would be at its earliest starting point. So uh, welcome to the Sea Report in the Dark. I'm your host, Mr. C. And uh, yes, indeed, we are on late. Uh, had a lot of things to do today. Was busy, busy, busy. And uh, had a late dinner. So uh, getting to uh, get into the report a little bit later than the norm. Uh, but still glad to be here and, uh, you know, uh, turn in my report for the day, as it were. Uh, this earlier today, I was uh, busy, busy, busy saving lives and saving jobs, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, one might wonder what exactly I was doing to do that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Uh, and please don't tell anyone uh, because, you know, this could have severe ramifications for the rest of our lives. Not just kidding. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, it has to do with uh, with these COVID vaccine gene therapy serum inoculations, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was uh, it was one of those instances where uh, a, a, a person very close to me uh, had a striking concern. Uh, now, with all of the information that has become readily available, as in uh, the systems getting too inundated with the truth to try and censor every single article, news report, uh, live stream, interview, radio interview, television interview, etc., Joe Rogan... <laughs> You know, uh, um, one would think 
that uh, the apprehension that a lot of uh, individuals uh, feel about COVID in general um, would would have subsided in the least, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but that did not seem to be the case, particularly for uh, uh, this person of interest uh, that I'm talking about. Uh, now, can you imagine this? We've already had to put up such a fight Right. When it comes to, uh, you know, sticking up for our values, sticking up for what is morally correct and, you know, trying to uh, take care of our own and uh, do what we do in our day to day lives to keep our head above water or to bring back some sort of, you know, uh, you know, income to, uh, you know, feed the children, put clothes on the back, keep that water and electricity running. Uh, but but then you know we have uh, we have these private companies and I, I probably shouldn't go off on the private company uh, tangent because after all we uh, we value uh, you know entrepreneurship and those who have their own business in this type of economy uh, to be a made person so it were by one's own means and devices is always an admirable quality uh, in anybody. Uh, to be frank, but uh, well, I mean, I'm not frank, and I'm not trying to be frank, but you, you guys understand the expression, I'm sure, right? Anyhow, so uh, as as it goes, uh, you know, this person of interest in my life, uh, their job, uh, whom required them to get the vaccinations to stay employed. Keeping in mind, we're coming to you guys from Texas, ladies and gentlemen. In Texas, uh, you know, while our governor failed to pass any type of or even look at any type of meaningful legislature legislation, excuse me, uh, in order to prevent this overreaching mandate by the uh, the the fake administration that is genuinely tyrannical or, or trying to be tyrannical. I mean, uh, you don't get a great sense of fear and tyranny from a man who is uh, senile beyond all ages and, you know, poops his pants. But uh, for all intents and purposes, his administration and his rules, yeah, tyrannical, I would say. Uh, Overreaching, I'm sure you all could agree. But anyhow, uh, their job had required them to get that vaccine in order to stay employed. And this is a tale told by thousands upon tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even, I'm sure, and I'm willing to bet, of people in America and around the world where uh, one had to face that choice. Well, it really doesn't seem like much of a choice if it stands between you and your livelihood, doesn't it, right? Anyhow, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to make a long story even longer, as it turns out, you know, um, I was uh, I was employed in the duties of uh, of creating and fabricating a type of record that this individual could uh, show to their place of employment, and uh, with the ruse of a false COVID nineteen vaccination card, uh, that person is happily employed today, until, ladies and gentlemen, they received a notice. That in order to remain employed, they now had to get the booster shot. I swear, guys, it really uh, dumbfounded me. It didn't confound me, but it did dumbfound me that uh, their boss was requiring them to get the booster shot. I mean, with all of the information, 
Not that I would depend on a said individual to be actively looking for information. Uh, but, but to even go as far as to require the booster, like, it's not enough that uh, they already stuck themselves in the arm with uh, two different uh, doses of uh, this experimental gene serum, you know, but now they have to do it a third time. And I'm sure a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh time for as long as uh, they felt the need was there. Yeah, so uh, I was like, geez, uh, you know, uh, it really is something that your boss wants you to kill yourself. <laughs> or maybe they want you dead. I don't know what it was. Either way. And, you know, the, you know, the other thing about that is because uh, just based on what all the talking heads say out there in the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media, uh, that the booster shot... In, in fact, all of this series of inoculations, uh, they, they don't even prevent COVID-19 from occurring. It doesn't kill it and it doesn't stop the transmission of it. I'm sure, I mean, you know, my audience is aware of these facts, uh, but that it only dampens or dampers uh, the, uh, the oncoming uh, sickness or death. It lessens the effects of the sickness and it, it prevents you from dying. So why would you need to get a booster shot if all it did was that, you know? And then they'll talk about, uh, why hasn't anyone picked up on that angle? That if it, if it prevents you from dying, you would have died if you didn't get the vaccine shot. Well, what about all the little soccer boys and the athletes out there who are dropping dead after they get the, uh, the booster shot? Have they, not, uh, have they not made a connection between all of the healthy young bucks out there? who are strutting around and trotting on that soccer field, just like dying of a heart attack, uh, you know, or a cardiac arrest or what have you. Uh, amazing, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, uh, you know, my, my uh, early day was much caught up trying to, uh, trying to create that uh, form of assistance for my friend, you know, uh, close, close, super close friend. And uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm always happy to provide any type of assistance that I can in that area. But geez, I tell you what, man, it, it, it takes a little bit of time to try and get, you know, the font correct, you know, make sure that the, uh, the, the sticker that's applied is just precisely so. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of joshing with you guys at this point. But no, no, seriously, I was up to that earlier today. Now, you know, it's so funny that only the government is uh, really, uh, really useful or uh, perhaps, what should we say, uh, they're very uh, helpful, uh, inspiring at creating black markets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, there would be no black market if it weren't for our government. I mean, I tell you, that's a fact. If you wanted to get rid of the black market, you'd have to legalize uh, many things up to a point, right? But uh, yeah, you know, like the uh, whole thing with the COVID-19 vaccination cards. Well, obviously, I don't want anyone that I know that needs a job and, uh, you know, needs to stay employed to have to deal with a decision like that. So we took that route um, and, uh, you know, uh, I was happy to help ladies and gentlemen in that manner. So anyways, you know, but you know, the funny thing about it is when we're talking about 
the uh, the the vaccination records, you know, the cards. Like there have been so many stories out there about um, about uh, individuals who are getting in trouble with the law, la ley. Uh, you know, maybe in a way that's um, how would you say? It's more like uh, you know, uh, who's it was wasn't it a, a father and a son or something traveling out of Hawaii? If I'm not mistaken, and uh, they they discovered that they had um, false or forged or fraudulent COVID nineteen vaccination record cards, and uh, but that's because the government of the state of Hawaii, Hawaii, uh, you know, they're so uh, hard up to keep their citizens locked down and in a state of fear uh, that they actually look into things like that, you know, and uh, I think in New York was uh, the place where they were actually moving to make that criminal. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look it up if they were ever successful in doing that. But I think it was like some some form of a misdemeanor if it was found that you had forged or created a fraudulent COVID-19 vaccination card. It's really ridiculous if you think about it, because when uh, these vaccines first rolled out, those vaccination record cards were just being handed out like candy, like stacks of them were lining the walls and the shelves everywhere. You probably could have picked one up and from anybody, really. And, uh, you know, then there's those stories about the, uh, the people who got busted. Well, I think it was a lady. She'd gotten busted for forging her own vaccine card, and she missed spelled like uh, Moderna or something like that. And uh, I guess uh, she wasn't uh, she wasn't a fan favorite and the HR department because they went ahead and uh, investigated that, uh, you know, vaccination card. And uh, and what happened? Well, I she lost her job. She was summarily fired. Uh, she was a, a member of the unclean, the diseased. And, uh, well, uh, I guess that's all there is to it. But, uh, you know, um, people we talked about in uh, the past few shows, like, uh, are really, really fighting back against all of this COVID mandate nonsense. Uh, you know, as we, uh, we know and we briefly discussed about uh, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin's panel, uh, a second opinion on uh, everything to do with uh, COVID-19 and the vaccination and the uh, uh, efforts uh, to get that information out there. Um, you know, even, <laughs> even Spotify, uh, and, you know, uh, Spotify, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can actually uh, listen to the C report on Spotify. If you have Spotify, look up the C report. You can subscribe. You can subscribe for free. Uh, but I wouldn't say that Spotify's motivation with choosing Joe Rogan over uh, was it Neil Young, right? I wouldn't say his motive. Their motivation had anything to do with uh, you know spreading the truth and fighting for the rights of humanity. Uh, it probably had a lot more to do with I don't know, uh, you know, uh, uh, listenership and. And subscriptions and, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, returns on money. Uh, it, it probably had a lot to do with that, you know. But Neil Young, what a damn fool. Um, it's my opinion that uh, the older one gets, uh, the more years uh, one moves up in their uh, life on this planet, the wiser they get, the smarter they get, unless, you know, uh, they're losing their mind like uh, illegitimate Joe. And, uh, well, quite to be quite frank, guys, like, <laughs> Neil Young is, uh, he, he's, he's pretty dumb, guys. He, like, uh, he, he went ahead and took one for the team, right? Uh, Neil Young, whom I guess tends to think, 
that uh, his music catalog spans across uh, multi generations uh, in 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 multiple um, multiple uh, what do you call it. Uh, uh, cultures and and uh, uh I want to say denominations but I know that's not the right word. <laughs> uh he thinks his reach is so vast and so current that he can threaten Spotify against uh against uh you know uh, um a a showstopper against a, a war machine against a powerhouse like the Joe Rogan show. Um demographics is the word i was thinking of he thinks his demographic demographical reach is so far so uh you know he threatens spotify uh, that he will remove all of his catalog from uh from their uh you know their their catalog there and uh unless they remove and censor joe rogan uh so this is of prime example ladies and gentlemen of exactly how your money and what you do with your wallet can definitely lend an assistance to the fight for our humanity for our rights as humans and also as americans to fight against censorship and threats against the first amendment guys like uh that is is that not beautiful evidence right uh spotify looked at their bottom line and said well neil young uh yep you don't bring in as much revenue as the joe rogan show does and nor do you bring in as many listens uh and uh that as they say was basically that, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, Neil Young is currently having his entire selection of music that was once available on Spotify removed. I wonder how he felt about that. Uh, you know, I read an article that said he stuck to his guns, right? But uh, he probably felt like a damn fool. He probably felt like he was officially sent to the pasture to go graze, uh, you know, before hitting that glue factory. And I can only imagine that uh, his uh, agents and the likes are probably very displeased with Mr. Young. Maybe Neil Young will create his own music uh, music uh, platform for people to stream on or something like that. Who knows? Who knows? But, but what a way to go at the end of one's uh, journey. And uh, for anyone who's had the privilege or opportunity, maybe I shouldn't say privilege. Yeah, you know what? Privilege. Yeah, it's a privilege to have millions of people able to listen to your music and appreciate your art. That is a privilege. That's something that not everybody gets. It's a privilege to work with the big music execs in industry. Nah. We can pass on that because uh, we don't do Satan here at the Sea Report. So I could I could pass on the agents and the executives and the big labels, etc. But um, you know, <laughs> at, at this point in his life, to have himself removed, he like self censored almost. Like if there was any chance that a younger generation was going to stumble across Neil Young and actually like the music. He just lost that chance, so uh, I guess he's uh, I guess he's opted to uh, uh, fall into that void of oblivion and obsolescence, and he did it himself, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll take that as a badge of moral upstanding. But uh, I'm I'm sure also that history will show uh, that uh, he's a damn fool. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. What? Wait, I can say this because uh, a supposed president said it. He's a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, we can say son of a bitch here now at the Sea Report because we are following the example of the supposed leader of this country. Uh, but no, we'll we'll try and still keep it family friendly, ladies and gentlemen. If we even if we are in the dark tonight. We will still keep it family friendly as much as possible. You know, another thing that crossed my mind when we're talking about uh, the COVID-19 thing, and, and we'll move off of this topic after this, because we got some other things to cover tonight, um, is, uh, uh, in regards to people standing up or, you know, justice prevailing or, you know, the rights of humanity prevailing, uh, there had been an... Uh, episode and we're going to call it an episode because currently this drama is uh is leading us on a cliffhanger and it's uh leaving us uh, uh with wanting more and it's just you know uh, we have to wait for the story to progress but uh in uh, in New York I'm sure a lot of you all had heard I believe this was on uh, Monday uh the Supreme Court there in New York had a um unanimously, well, not unanimously, they had decided to um, uh, put a halt to Gremlin Hochul's uh, um, a mask mandates, right? Gremlin Hochul. Whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Wrong picture. Uh, every time I look at Governor Hochul, I, her, her exact nickname here at the Sea Report is Gremlin Hochul because she looks exactly like that female gremlin from the movies gremlin uh, there we go there there's governor hochel that's right and proper so uh, they had actually put a halt on her uh, mandate orders now can you imagine that ladies and gentlemen like uh, after all of this you know that uh, the economy has been destroyed and uh, you know uh, th things are just falling apart societies uh, you know segregating from itself from others and uh, you have a uh, you have a, a, a governor, just like in California, you got Gruesome Newsome over there, still declaring that, uh, you know, they have to wear a mask, right? Uh, but it was, I believe, on Monday that they had a court document from Judge Thomas Raidmaker uh, that neither the governor nor the state health commissioner had the authority to enact the mandate without the state legislature since the governor no longer has emergency powers. In fact, uh, that line right there without the state legislature reminds me of so many other things that have been circling around COVID-19 in regards to state's power of uh, legislation, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so you're gonna have to use your legislature, Gremlin Hochul, if you want to keep your masks on the face of children. Now, of course, and you know, this was almost rapid fire, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we had a uh, an appellate court, a judge uh, in the appellate courts uh, who actually granted a stay on this uh, COVID-19 face mask mandate. Um, so, uh, so where are we at now in New York like that? Well, you know, it is, it is quite satisfying to see, uh, that, uh, the Supreme Court of New York found this ruling. That means, that means, alas, ladies and gentlemen, there is hope, right? Uh, that at least some of the judiciaries aren't a hundred percent corrupt. 
you know, but uh, what that does mean is that uh, the people of New York will still have to uh, have to uh, suffer with the masks until the Supreme Court uh, has uh, finished uh, cycling this um, this ruling through uh, appeals court. So uh, that's where uh, that's where we are right now for New York. Uh, they, uh, Governor Gremlin Hochul, uh, sent it into an appeals court and they're currently mulling out, uh, weighing out that, uh, ruling. And we had, uh, but you know, the thing about it is where you have a lot of schools who are fighting against, uh, these, uh, uh, these anti-mask regulations, mandates, right? Uh, executive orders, however you want to put it. You know, if you think about Texas, if you think about uh, Virginia, for example, as a new, newly shiny formed example of uh, people and uh, elected officials standing up for the rights of their community and uh, basically the world, uh, you have all these other schools who are forcing their children uh, to uh, wear the masks or n- not be allowed to attend school or to be uh, forced into other types of uh, menial activities that separate them from everybody else, right? Uh, in in the state of New York, though, you have school districts and you have towns and cities that had already decided, regardless of whatever Gremlin Hochul wanted to say about masks uh, and require, that they weren't going to do it anyway. For example, in uh, schools in Plain Edge and also in Massapequa, New York uh, had already recently made their own plans to eliminate the mask mandate by next month. And since this uh, entire thing has become an ordeal with the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals, uh, the Board of Education for the Island Tree School District voted unanimously that uh, they were going to leave the decision to wear a mask up to the person who enters the school building. So that is good. That is a good thing. I think that is a, a good sign for the people of New York, you know, where you have other school districts I've heard um, are, uh, are are enforcing, using law enforcement to keep people without masks from entering the building. Can you say a gross misuse of uh, taxpayer money and a vile waste of time for, uh, you know, police departments and other uh, law enforcing entities? Like, uh, to, to imagine to have to do that. They could be uh, they could be stopping the looting that's going on at all of their stores, you know, on Fashion Row instead of uh, preventing children and parents from entering into a school without a mask. Such a terrible thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I would most definitely say, uh, to be 100% for a fact, at least on my part, it is, uh, it is good again that uh, to recognize the Supreme Court of New York. Now, I'm not going to say that those guys do everything right or make all the most correct decisions, but what I will say is that uh, it's good that uh, they are finding these rulings as the entire COVID-19, uh, you know, false pandemic and the uh, fear-mongering and such, uh, as that narrative is uh, laying itself to sleep right now and uh, finding a resting place six feet under in the consciousness of man, that uh, perhaps uh, there will be more people waking up. Which, like I said with my friend, I was like, I can't believe that your your boss it, you know he's 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 really going to end up with no staff if everyone dies of their third or fourth booster i mean it's no fair to do that to people but again that is one of the uh, trials that thousands of americans and 
millions of people around the world have faced um, with the advent of this uh, fake fear-mongering uh, type of uh, scheme that has uh, taken over the world. But speaking of Supreme Court and their justices, uh, the other hot ticket that comes to mind uh, before we get into today's show has to do with this man here, that is uh, one Justice Breyer. Now, uh, Justice Breyer, Supreme Court Justice of a Thousand Years, well, it appears, according to headlines, that uh, he has decided, or has he, uh, that he is going to retire from the Supreme Court. So you know that this is going to be one of those hot topic conversations that uh, everybody's going to have because uh, there's just so, so much that uh, goes into this entire Supreme Court thing, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'm just, you know, my money, is, my money is on SCOTUS Gate. You know, SCOTUS Gate hasn't happened yet. Ladies and gentlemen, it has not hit the shores of America and the consciousness of our mind. Uh, but uh, I don't think that it is too far behind, you know, um, I don't know, election gate and uh, NATO gate and uh, Obama gate. Most definitely SCOTUS gate has to come after Obama gate. And Obama, the gate to Obama gate is like halfway open, you know, um, that will be something to see, uh, because as we're moving along in this timeline and, you know, we're exposing, uh, you know, we're exposing everything that's been going on with the elections as the, uh, mainstream media continues to, uh, shoot its own self in the foot and then stick that foot in its mouth and then plant its head in the ground and then fart out all its headlines to everybody so that this way, you know, they can, uh, you know, uh, inspire people to believe their lies, um, which, you know, they, they believe their lies as it is already, um, that, uh, a lot of this truth is going to come out and we're already seeing kind of the, the, the bits and cracks of it happening when you've got people like Circleback Saki and Hoods Pelosi, like accidentally saying that, you know, they're working with uh, President Obama or, you know, uh, referring to um, Obama as the president in reference to Biden. Uh, uh, never, never mind Biden calling Kamala Harris the president, right? Because we already know that that plan is in the works or, you know, that was at least uh, one of their plans that they were uh, going to default to. Uh, but this whole Obama is uh, running the White House from behind the scenes. It's pretty believable when you think about it. You know, uh, he Obama was probably like, you know, hey, Joe, uh, like, uh, just stand up there and I'll whisper in your ear. That's something that a lot of us have been kind of mentioning uh since day one if not prior to of this illegitimate administration uh you know uh, um, party crashing into the white house uh so that 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 is a big thing now uh, i don't know if we'll see that uh but you know it's worth mentioning you know but as per uh, as per you know the Democrat Party's uh, involvement with uh, taking out Trump and then also the FISA warrants and you know uh, some of the ties that 
Obama allegedly has to that. Like, I don't know, the minutes of meetings and people talking about plans and stuff behind closed doors, etc. Well, I'm sure we're going to see something coming out of that eventually that will tie it to Obama. And then we'll open up the rest of Obamagate, I'm sure. But SCOTUSgate, on the other hand, uh, that's uh, that's an entirely different matter when we're talking about corruption. We're talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, subverting the Constitution. We're talking about uh, who knows what some of these people have done, right? And uh, this is a uh, this is a this is a departure that is for sure uh with this uh, justice Breyer leading um uh, the uh, supreme court bench as it were now uh he, he, very very liberal of course you know this Breyer guy so you know the dems are going to jump all over that obviously right uh but this is this is a retirement um some people would maybe say a resignation, but he's, I mean, you know, technically speaking, he's not resigning, but he is still leaving. Now, uh, there was actually a little bit of uh, debate about this entire move that this justice was going to make because, you know, Justice Breyer has been talking about retirement or at least the notion of him retiring has been in the headlines back in July. Uh, we had a lot of uh, um, articles that were coming out about him mentioning retiring and stuff like that. And it kind of makes me feel like, you know, maybe the man wanted to or, or maybe the man is possibly being forced to retire. Um, we had this article actually uh, that came out of Breitbart and there's a pair of articles from Breitbart that I wanted to share with you guys at the start of today's episode just to get these little hot button topics out of the way. Uh, Justice Breyer upset retirement plan leaked. So according to Breitbart, there was a report that said, uh, yes, he was planning to retire, but apparently it, the plan was leaked and he was upset about it. I don't know. Let's see what the article has to say. It says, uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer on Wednesday reportedly became upset after plans of his alleged retirement leaked to the establishment media. Oh, huh. So someone leaked it to the establishment media, apparently. Uh, the article says Breyer was not planning to announce his retirement today and conveyed he was upset with how this has played out. Multiple sources told a Fox News reporter with no sources cited. Other reports indicated Breyer was surprised and caught off guard about the announcement. And then they have some tweets here. Stephen L. Miller says, uh, in response to Stephen Breyer announced his re retirement today, Stephen L. Miller said, well, no, Ron Klain did. Article continues, neither Breyer nor the Supreme Court has issued a public announcement about his supposed retirement and the White House and President Biden have refused to comment on the news, which was first reported by CNBC. Uh, there has been no announcement from Justice Breyer, Biden told reporters. Ha! Leave it up to Biden to foible their wrap-up smear campaign, right? Uh, th this, is, uh, this is sounds like what it is. So now Justice Breyer, who has sat comfortably on the left side of the aisle, and uh, didn't maybe didn't realize exactly how radical it was, or maybe he did. Maybe he did. I mean, he was on the Supreme Court for quite some time. I'm sure he got to know uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg rather intimately, and he's probably like, "Oh, I'm all for 12 year olds being taken across the border in the service of sexual industries." 
Anyways, she died with that uh, belief and she never corrected her book, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not just being flippant. But uh, let's see. Uh, he, 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 uh, he is now realizing uh, that those whom he served are willing to uh, chew him up and spit him out. So uh, just imagine that, guys. If he had not planned to retire this year, but he was going to retire. They were talking about it in the summer. And uh, and then suddenly someone leaks his desire to retire. Say he was gonna he was gonna wait to retire until I don't know um, January, New Year. He's like, let's just get this one in the books, twenty twenty two, and then you know I'll lay it to rest. Or or what if he was like, I want to stay on the Supreme Court long enough to turn down any uh, state uh, state rulings to decertify the election of 2020 because everyone knows that that is the next step once uh you know once the house senate and uh, representatives uh vote on decertifying the election that it has to go to the supreme court so that can consult the uh constitutional experts so you know for any of those of you who might be confused that is the next step okay after it leaves a state uh, legislature and their decision on decertifying it's got to go to the supreme court Anyways, so with that in mind, maybe maybe just like Cy Vance Jr., the uh, former DA or, you know, retiring DA out of New York, who's like, well, I'll, I'm going to retire by Christmas, but I'm going to have a, an indictment on President Trump on my record. Didn't happen, did it, Cy Vance? Well, maybe Breyers was like, I want to be on the Supreme Court long enough to uh, to block any decertification efforts in the states. And then someone leaked his story. Yep, yep, yep. And and they put it in the media. And now he's getting chewed up in the media. Like, if you go search Justice Breyer, you will find nary an article that talks about how he was unhappy and upset about it. But you will find thousands of articles that uh, uh, congratulate him. And, you know, they send their they send their commemorations to him. And uh, they are like, well, you know, he was such a good, good, uh, you know, Supreme Court justice. We're going to miss him so long, Justice Breyer. You have gotten wrapped up in the teeth of... Of the mainstream media news cycle, and now this is truth. You can't get away from it, Justice Breyer. You're gonna have to retire, Justice Breyer. And uh, well, you know, they never learn, do they? Yeah, totally expendable for their own, for the uh, political needs of uh, their masters. So it says here, um, yep, neither Breyer nor, uh, yep, yep, yep. There has been no announcement, says Biden, right? <laughs> They're like, shut up, old man. Biden told that to reporters. Then Biden says, let him make whatever statement he's going to make, and I'll be happy to talk about it later. Because clearly he had no evidence or no, his handlers, Obama, had not told him uh, what was happening next, I bet you. So uh, upon rumors, Biden may nominate <laughs> Vice President Kamala Harris to the court. Oh, that's interesting. Um, White House Press Secretary Circleback Saki stated she would not comment on any potential nominees to the court, noting the absence of Breyer's statement. Uh, so uh, they're going to uh, look into... Um, they're going to look into uh, who's going to be nominated next. Uh, let's see here. The, the court, Supreme Court observers have mentioned that they believe that a woman by the name of Katanji Brown Jackson is actually at the top of Biden's list for SCOTUS nominees. Okay. I have no idea who Katanji Brown Jackson is, but what I do know 
ladies and gentlemen, is that she is a black woman. Because for some reason that is important for Biden to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. And I'm not going to go off into a tangent about how morally and ethically wrong that notion is, uh, considering that there's probably a long list of people who are qualified to, uh, you know, be on the Supreme Court. But, you know, if the man has his heart set on dark chocolate, we can't stop him. So uh, it says here, uh, when Saki was pressed about Harris, she said, Biden has every intention, as he said before, of running for re-election and for running for re-election with Vice President Harris on the ticket as his partner. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, That's that sounds kind of like uh, she's lying. <laughs> or is she? I don't know. Let's see. This uh, next article from Breitbart it features it features the highlight of a title uh Kamala Harris could become first black female supreme court justice do you think this is a possibility ladies and gentlemen uh let's see let's see their reasoning on it oh they had to put his face in there he has such a uh massive neck it says uh vice president uh Kamala Harris could be appointed as the first black and female justice of the U.S. Supreme Court following news Wednesday that liberal Justice Stephen Breyer is to retire, allowing President Joe Biden to appoint a successor. The retirement is timely and would maximize the chance that Biden's pick would be confirmed ahead of a possible Senate flip to the Republicans in the 2022 midterm elections and amid plummeting opinion polls, for the president ahead of 2024. Biden promised before the South Carolina primary in 2020, the moment he seized control of that thing there, you know, the toaster, thanks to black voters, and again at one of the last Democrat Party presidential primary debates, that his first nominee for the court would be someone who voted for him, because if they voted for him, they are a black woman. Unlike Donald Trump, who provided a list of potential appointees when he ran for president in 2016, Biden did not specify who his choice might be. There was speculation about Justice Leandra Kruger of the California Supreme Court and Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson, who is a district judge in Washington, D.C., but no firm commitments. However, Harris, who served as District Attorney of San Francisco and California Attorney General before being elected to the U.S. Senate and then as Vice President, would provide another option with a long, if rather controversial, legal resume. Nominating Harris, nominating Harris could also help Biden and the Democrats solve the problem posed by Harris's unpopularity and her jarringly annoying laughter. Biden faces questions about his mental and physical abilities, raising doubts about his ability to run for re-election in 2024, or even to serve out his term. Harris is even more unpopular than Biden, however, making her an unpalatable replacement for Biden. Hmm. By nominating Harris to the court, Democrats could create an open slot in the vice presidency, and while they still have control of Congress... All it would take to confirm a successor to Harris would be a majority vote in both houses, according to the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. Likely contenders include Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, 
who uh, has struggled to deal with the basic responsibilities of his job, but has been highly visible and is known to covet the presidency. Well, that's a rather interesting article for all of Circleback Saki's denials. Do you guys think Breitbart was uh, trolling Kamala Harris and the Ill- illegitimate ad- administration of, uh, uh, you know, Pedo Joe? Or do you think there might actually be something to that? S- some of the points that they bring up at the uh, latter part of this article, I think are worth, you know, kind of mulling over. Uh, Kamala Harris is far more unpopular than, uh, you know, uh, illegitimate Joe. And even though that's a a separation of only a a few points, that is still leaps and bounds in the terms of polling. Uh, So um, it would not serve him well to have, well, it would not serve his masters well to have her standing in his place when she was standing side by side with him during the destruction of America and also during uh, highly unapproving numbers from the people of this country coming back at them. I mean, uh, who was it? CNN or someone? MSNBC? They had a panel, right? Uh, and, and I'm sure they were all libs on that show. I mean, left-leaning liberals. I'm sure they were all progressive Democrat people. And uh, when they asked them whether or not they thought that the country was better off than they were a year ago, not one single member of that panel said yes. And this is a fixed panel, ladies and gentlemen. So that's pretty bad, right? They're like, we got the ones that we know uh, are gonna are gonna say are gonna side with us because you know with whatever however they determine those things, right? So uh, it could be a move, right? It could be a move. They can they can offload you know the dead weight that is Kamala Harris, and uh, and then they have room for another vice presidential pick. And uh, perhaps that VP pick can uh, fill in the shoes and the stinky seat of, uh, you know, illegitimate Joe. Uh, I mean, that that's a that's a because we all know that Joe Biden ain't going to make it for years. OK, um, I, I think it's an understatement to say that he overachieved by remaining in office a full year. I'm sure you all could agree with me to that point, ladies and gentlemen. So um, perhaps this could be the case. Kamala, if she was unpopular as a vice president, I don't think that the country will take any type of confidence in her leadership skills as the commander in chief. But now Breitbart throws out booty jig here in this article. I don't see that happening either. I mean... If Booty Jig cannot even handle his responsibilities as transportation czar, if he's uh, if he's um, culpable for allowing a backup in, you know, all of the uh, supply chain, and and can't even ride a bike honestly to work, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think that uh, you know the country's going to take confidence in him as well. I mean, what if he pulls a Biden and takes a quarter of his time off of work as president to go and nipple feed his baby? You know, so it, I don't see Booty Jig in that spot either. Kind of who I do see in that spot is you might have guessed it, one. Hillary Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, uh, you know, because that way she can become VP, right? 
And and whether or not Biden has a senile moment or two, or even a lucid moment for that fact, and decides that he's going to try and stay in the office for uh, until 2024, even if he catches a second wind and excuses himself because he thinks he farted, like, he, he will not... Uh, he will be strong-armed by Clinton on the sidelines, you know? And that would be interesting, too, because you'll have Obama talking to Biden in one ear, and then you'll have Clinton yelling at him in the other ear, and that would be an interesting dynamic. Um, Either way, I'm not saying that there's anything worth believing that that could be a case, but hey, if, uh, if, if um, you know, uh, if Breitbart can uh, mention something like that and if Biden can dream, you know, why can't I? So and then, you know, when he leaves office, well, there you go. You have the very vessel of confidence in all of the blind Americans out there that still to this day believe that Hillary Clinton, for some reason, would have been a great president. Never even thinking about how she would have taken us to war. So I don't know, guys. Just some food for thought. But those were two hot stories uh, that I thought I would share with you guys. Even though, you know, that uh, entire story there with uh, Gremlin Hochul. That was more of just, uh, well, wouldn't you know, New York, you're doing a good job. All right, guys. So, uh, all right. Hope everyone is doing well tonight. God, I can't believe I just went on for about an hour. And we are just about to crack into things. We got a few President Trump statements for you guys tonight. And then we will also be doing some election updates. Uh, uh, I should say uh, election integrity updates. Now, uh, yesterday we uh, definitely um, um, shared the news regarding what was going on in Wisconsin. So we are going to flesh that out a little bit more tonight. We're going to talk Wisconsin. We're going to talk Arizona because we have not been able to for the last few few days slash weeks. Um, thank you all for joining us again tonight. If you're live with us on Twitch or at Foxhole or at Clout Hub, uh, thank you for your presence. Who do we got going on over here? And you guys are, oh, hey, Foxhole, what's going on? Pilled by the Rabbit, Bill Tech, Rail, Anon. Uh, who else do we got here? The Speak Uneasy was in the house. Oh, he's, he, I missed uh, Speak Uneasy by 23 minutes. That, that man is over there doing his own show now. Uh, what else do we got here? One, two, three, SKJ. Good evening. Thank you for joining us and good to see you. Oh man, you guys, you guys are moving and moving that chat box over there. Uh, what else is happening in uh, the house tonight? One, two, three, SKG is in the house. Uh, we got BrainPod. I love you all, and Foxhole is family. Hey, BrainPod, what's up? It sucks to hear that one of us passes. Oh, it most definitely does. And I'm sorry to hear that that has been the case. Uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, there goes the chat again. It's a moving. It is a moving. Uh, prayers up for your papa, for Papa Woe, and someone, someone, someone passed away. It sounds like Papa Woe. Well, we will, uh, we will most definitely send our prayers and condolences to the Woe family. Papa Woe passed. Sean Joe, good evening, sir. How are you doing? Uh, WC Cranop, good evening. Good to see you in the chat room today. Uh, and we got Pelosi's younger sister. You're talking about Gremlin Hochul, aren't you, Sean Joe? And uh, what are you counting? One, two, three is KG. Okay, I'll start saying what I'm thinking. Um, this older. <laughs> okay, you guys is it's so much. It's so great to see you all. Uh, 
having a good time in the uh, chat room. One, two, three, SKG, Justice Breyer announced retirement. Oh, so is it, did he officially announce it? He probably, well, he was forced to. He was like, I, he wanted to do it on his own terms. He wanted to do it his way. But unfortunately, he did not have the pleasure of being Frank Sinatra. So, uh, well, too bad, Breyer. You are nothing more than a great pawn for them in their uh, necessity to move that uh, forward. You know, I mean, that that's pretty crazy. You know, uh, they need to pres- they need to open up that spot for them. Uh, because uh, they're gonna lose, uh, they're gonna lose a lot in the midterms, and then of course, you know, what if what if everything comes to a head before then, and they can't get another lifelong appointee to that uh, position? Can't do it. Can't do it. All right. <laughs> WC Crane up. Never thought of that. What better way to open up both president and vice president spots? Oh, yeah. Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, Valerie Jarrett, probably along with Obama involved. Oh, those are all Obama's buddies and mentors, right? And, you know, they probably probably taught him a lot of things growing up. We won't go there, even though we're kind of in the dark. Two in the pink. Good evening, sir. Hey, thank you for uh, gifting the cookie. Two in the pink. Hey, WC Cranop tossing the cookie. Railing on with the cookie. WC Cranop uh, counters with a second cookie. And one, two, three. Thank you guys for filling the cookie jar tonight. Most appreciated. And we got Aurelius Lock in the house. Oh, hey, Ray Pond. No, Nano Woe passed. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I remember seeing Nano Woe in uh, the chat rooms. Oh, that's very sad. Very sad. Uh, well, our, our condolences go out to uh, Nanowo's family. That's that's uh, that's another loss here in the community, guys. So, uh, you know, prayers and uh, prayers and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully they'll be doing okay. Thank you, Pilled by the Rabbit, for that. He says Nana Woo. Thank you for that confirmation again, sir. All right, guys, that's sad news. That is sad news. It's always sad when the Patriot passes, guys. But. She can rest, you can rest assured she, uh, she was in good company over here on this platform of, uh, the foxhole and pill.net. But, uh, hey, uh, it's like Pilled by the Rabbit said, she will be joining the fight on the other side and, uh, we can use as many angels as we can get, right, ladies and gentlemen? Now we got, uh, we got, who's this on the screen? You guys are probably wondering, I don't know, what is the general vibe you get from this woman? Uh, for those of you on the podcast, we are looking at a woman who might be a victim of RBF. <laughs> but one couldn't say for sure, right? Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is actually a woman by the name of Morgan Ortegas. Morgan Ortegas. Now, Morgan Ortegas, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is actually um, received an endorsement... From President Trump. So we're starting off with our first statement from Trump being an endorsement this evening. Now, uh, let's let's see what President Trump had to say about Morgan Ortegas, because the uh, the interesting thing here is that Miss Morgan, uh, she's currently not running for office. Like, uh, she's not running. And uh, so I guess you could say that this is, in effect, um, kind of a preemptive endorsement for someone who may or may not have expressed interest at all in running for an elected office, Morgan Ortegas. I don't know, President Trump. You dodged that 25th Amendment before. 
And yeah, I'm just joking, guys. I'm just joking. Let's see what President Trump had to say about this woman. Uh, President Trump says, I am told the very strong and impressive Morgan Ortegas is exploring a run for Congress in Tennessee's 5th Congressional District. I couldn't be happier because she's an absolute warrior for America First and MAGA. Morgan was fantastic in her role working with Secretary Mike Pompeo at the State Department and understands the threats posed by China, Russia, Iran, and others and will be tough, not just roll over like the Democrats and the rhinos or make up stories like the current Deep State Department does as they try and push uh, narratives that will whitewash all of their failures and also uh, whitewash over things that will threaten their position in power. President Trump continues, she won't bow to the woke mob or the leftist lamestream media. Morgan Ortegas will have my complete and total endorsement if she decides to run. So saith the president Donald Trump. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about this Morgan Ortegas individual. Uh, so what I did learn uh, about her and possibly some of the reasons why President Trump holds her in such esteem uh, from Breitbart, uh, it says that uh, former Trump State Department spokeswoman um, Morgan Ortegas warned that the Chinese Communist Party has been watching American politics closely to see which officials will be a friend or foe to the regime. Uh, Morgan says, so the Chinese Communist Party is paying attention, not only what happens in Washington, they're very much paying attention about what happens in your local area. Uh, Ortegas noted that Confucius centers at universities often advertised as a cultural bridge were actually fronts for Chinese communist propaganda. She says, we've also been calling out things and designating some of these, for example, the Confucius centers. We've been designating them as foreign missions, which means they're part of the Chinese Communist Party. So I was like, okay, that's pretty, pretty interesting. She, maybe she also assisted Pompeo in, uh, you know, writing up some things or doing some research whenever Pompeo laid the smack down on all the governors. And he was like, we know which one of you guys have been to their parties and you're going to have to answer to that. So, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. You know, maybe she did it. Maybe she did a good job, but, uh, you know, we came across some other information about Miss Morgan Ortegas, uh, that I think is worth noting, right? Because again, while we absolutely, uh, uh, support President Trump and some of the measures that he takes, well, I would say the majority, I'd say 97 to 8% of the measures that President Trump has taken in order to, uh, in order to, uh, help America and restore the constitution and the Republic, uh, we, we still have to trust, but verify, right? We still have to vet some of these people. And it appears that Miss Morgan has been caught in a slight scandal in regards to uh, some of the things that she said about working outside of the State Department in regards to her future in the Biden administration. So it kind of paints a picture of this woman 
that uh, she's a flip-flopper, and maybe the reason why she had that sour face on in the picture we showed you is because, uh, I don't know, pebbles got caught in between her sandals or something. But uh, from the national file, it says they have an exclusive leaked email shows Trump-backed Tennessee congressional hopeful Morgan Ortegas pledging to faithfully serve the Biden administration. So, you know, is she a flip-flopper or is she just a, you know, a, a one of those damned political opportunists, right? Um, she serves anyone who is the master. Uh, she's one of those people that only sides with the winners um, or only agrees with winners. I don't know. I don't know. People like that don't have much by way of integrity, in my opinion. But let's see what the article has to say about Mergen. It says, uh, insiders have pointed to the involvement of Ivanka Trump and GOP establishment operative Ward Baker. Okay. So Ward Baker, I think, is kind of like a, uh, he's like a kingmaker or something like that. He's a, he's a, someone who speaks for, uh, for the GOP and he uh, arranges things and does things. Could probably give you a better description of Mr. Baker. Uh, and uh, so so Ivanka Trump, that's interesting, very interesting. Uh, looks like uh, Ward Baker is the founder and president of Baker Group Strategies. Ward currently serves as senior advisor to Senator Leffler's campaign. Ooh, losers. Okay, so Leffler, that's, that's one name right there uh, to uh, consider. He's also the founder and president. Okay, so he works with Turning Point USA. He's uh, served as a okay. So so uh, actually, let me let me pull myself on the screen for this one, guys. Uh, he has, according to this uh, write up from Turning Point USA, it says that uh, he's an advisory council member, and uh, he uh, most recently Ward served as senior advisor to the first Tennessee female senator, Marsha Blackburn. So we got Marsha Blackburn and we got Kelly Leffler. Okay, so I guess he was like a king maker for these people. Um, and it says that, uh, oh, okay, so, so uh, uh, he was a senior advisor for it. Well, actually, well, Leffler, she probably would have made it if, uh, you know, there hadn't been all this uh, theft and fraud in Georgia. But what did we find out about Leffler? Hmm? Hmm? Okay. So uh, what did she do? Hmm? Okay, so let's see here. Uh, in her bid for the, okay. He was a senior advisor to the first Tennessee female senator, Marsha Blackburn, in her bid for the U.S. Senate, delivering an 11-point victory and winning 92 of Tennessee's 95 counties. Prior to founding Baker Group, Baker was executive director for the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. As executive director, he was credited with helping Republicans hold the Senate majority with 52 seats. NRSC chairman, Senator Roger Wicker, said of the 2016 victory, hiring Ward was one of the best political decisions I've ever made. Interesting. Uh, let's see here. Uh, during his tenure as political director, Baker organized what Senate Majority Leader McConnell has called one of the best recruiting classes of his lifetime. Hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Uh, he is at, he is uh, served as an advisor to 40 members of Congress. Uh, Mr. Ward, who is also uh, backing up this uh, Ortegas woman, Mr. Ward as advisor to 40 members of Congress and statewide elected officials, including Mitch McConnell, Marsha Blackburn, Te Deb Fisher. Okay. Hmm. I don't know, guys. I mean, last I checked, McConnell... 
Blackburn, uh, they, they voted to certify the 2020 election. Uh, don't tell me it's because uh, they were so disgusted by the behavior of patriots that they had to go ahead and defy their constitutional duties. Uh, that seems rather convenient, Marsha Blackburn and uh, everyone else. So uh, I don't know. Snake in the bush, rhino, Democrat in, uh, you know, uh, Republican clothing, uh, perhaps maybe someone who is uh, beholden to the, uh, the paycheck rather than uh, having any type of uh, integrity. Ward Baker. Okay. This is the guy that's standing behind Morgan Ortegas. Let's continue with that article. It says, uh, Morgan Ortegas, a high-level Trump administration official mulling a run for Congress in Tennessee, pledged to faithfully serve the Biden administration in a goodbye email sent to State Department colleagues in an email obtained exclusively by the National File. Ortegas, a spokesman uh, for the State Department during the Trump administration, received a preemptive complete and total endorsement from President Trump. We'll skip that. Oh, and then so she was happy to have received uh, this, uh, this endorsement. Um, she says, I couldn't be happier because, she, oh, no, that, that was uh, President Trump. Where's her response? Ah, it doesn't really matter what she said, I guess. But uh, it says here that the National Pulse understands that local party operatives, including architect of the recent Georgia Senate law strategy, Ward Baker, is behind Trump's move to endorse Ortegas. So uh, I guess uh, this is the man who's uh, whispering into the ear of President Trump, it seems. Uh, he should look at Ward's, uh, uh, the fruit that have fallen from his tree to see how rotten some of these people have become. Uh, and, and, you know, based on his his brood, maybe maybe wake up to the fact that this guy's, uh, he's, he's creating, um, you know, He's creating uh, children dead on arrival. Um, let's see here. So Ward was happy. He said, uh, thank you, President Trump. It was an honor working for the America First. Oh, no, no, this is Ortegas. Ortegas says, thank you, President Trump. It was an honor working for the America First agenda in your administration. I'm nothing but an opportunist like you. I'll always fight for American greatness. Oh, apparently she'll fight for American greatness under any administration. A private email from January 19, 2021, however, reveals Ortegas to have been plotting a career move no matter what happened with the election and praising key Obama-Biden-era official Ned Price, her replacement as fantastic. Titled How to Say Goodbye and flagged as highly important, the email sent one day prior to Biden's inauguration was sent to all career officials in the State Department's Bureau of Global Public Affairs and a group uh, and a group and a select group of officials in the Office of Public Affairs. Oh, well, what do you know? Here's a copy of the email. Let's go ahead and expand that just a little bit. Does it expand? Oh, this does not expand. Okay, well, you know what? I'll read it to you guys. Uh, let's see here. So there's the beginning of this email. Well, it's impossible. And luckily in Washington, D.C., you really don't have to blah, 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 blah. Um, so she says down here in this yellow box, as I've often said, no matter what happened with the election, I was moving on and going back into the Navy Reserves. Now, like most of you, I put the career hat back on, or rather my Navy uniform, and go into faithfully serving the incoming Biden administration, even if he wants to send me to the front lines of the Ukraine for war. 
Catch you on the other side of the Ukrainian border. P.S. Ned is fantastic. You're in great hands and he's lucky to have all of you. In the message, Ortegas divulges she would be moving on and going back into the Navy Reserves before emphasizing that in doing so, she would be faithfully serving the incoming Biden administration. We just read that. Ortegas also praised her Biden-appointed successor, Ned Price, as fantastic. The leaked email follows intense scrutiny over Ortegas's past comments attacking Trump prior to joining his administration. You have somebody who makes fun of people with mental and physical disabilities. Well, he wasn't making fun of you, Megan, or Morgan. That's disgusting. There's no other way around it, remarked Ortegas in January 2016 during an interview with Fox News. Ortegas, while working for a super PAC associated with Trump's primary opponent from Florida, Governor Jeb Bush, said she fundamentally disagreed with Trump's approach to foreign policy. And yet she served in the State Department. Uh, she said, in his gut, he does not think that Americans should be, quote, unquote, the policemen of the world. She said during a 2016 panel discussion dissecting Trump's foreign policy speech, I don't see it that way. I think that America is the glue that holds the world together. So there were points that I agreed with him today, but overall, I fundamentally disagree with his isolationist approach to foreign policy. Well, gosh, she sounds like all the talking heads out there now, doesn't she? Ortegas and her second husband uh, were married by the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader. Okay, as she's having Ruth Bader Ginsburg preside over her marriage, I'm sure she promised her her first daughter. Wow, that's... Uh, all the red flags are there, guys. <laughs> all the red flags are there. Uh, supporters and sympathizers note that to Ortega's credit, she was a diligent member of Mike Pompeo's State Department team and that her message about faithfully serving as applied to her work in the Navy reserves sounds no different to how most outgoing political appointees describe their future work for opposing administrations. The news has caused friction inside President Trump's Make America Great Again uh, base, with insiders pointing to Ortega's recent meetings with Ivanka Trump as her father's rationale for the endorsement. Mrs. Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, were best known inside the Trump White House for promoting moderates and never Trumpers, who ended up turning on the president, especially following the January 6th Capitol riot. And they did. They certainly did. The National Pulse reached out to Miss Ortegas for comment. She didn't respond. And there's Miss Ortegas with Pedo Joe. He's got his hand on her booty. All right, guys. So very interesting, guys. That's, uh, you know, that can be rather disheartening for, uh, you know, Trump supporters. I mean, come on, guys. It happens, right? But trust but verify. It makes one wonder, uh, could it be Ivanka that's driving President Trump to uh, make these decisions? Um, what is Ward Baker offering to Ivanka that is allowing them to do this? Couldn't tell you, ladies and gentlemen. I couldn't tell you that is for sure. But what I can tell you, uh, based on the things that I were reading, is that the national file here is directly over the mark when they're talking about how it is upset uh, the MAGA base in Tennessee, particularly in District Number 5, because we have this man here, a man by the name of Robbie Starbuck, whom I have never heard of before, but uh, Robbie Starbuck is actually the MAGA favorite in Tennessee District 5. And uh, this man is running for the same office that is being uh, um, abandoned uh, by Representative Cooper. 
uh, who's served in that position for quite some time now. Cooper is retiring. Again, the retiring, resigning. However you want to decide it to say, it's, uh, they both start with an R. So, uh, you know, uh, from the Clarion News, they said that uh, it, it was a move that stunned the MAGA base. Uh, filmmaker and grassroots activist Robbie Starbuck has been considered the frontrunner and favorite of Trump's base thus far in Tennessee's 5th Congressional District. Now, like I said, I didn't know who uh, Robbie Starbuck was. So, I, you know, I looked him up and, uh, you know, Robbie Starbuck, apparently he is the son of Cuban refugees. Uh, he is husband to musical artist and uh, anti-human trafficking activist. Think, uh, I think maybe we should focus on that. Yeah, wouldn't it be something? Because Ivanka Trump, didn't she work in the anti-human trafficking campaigns while she was in the White House, right? Aside from working with the children. Hmm. And then you have Robbie Starbuck, who is, uh, you know, has, uh, is married to an anti-human trafficking activist. Oh, man, I am painting a pretty black picture, aren't I? I'll leave that there. But anyhow, uh, th this man is married to an anti-human trafficking activist named Landon Newsom Starbuck. And uh, father of three young children, Starbuck is best known for being a director was born in California, United States, and uh, he's famous as a music video director. Starbuck worked with such high-profile artists and bands as Snoop Diggity Dog and The Smashing Pumpkins, uh, and was named the OC Metro's 2010 list of top 40 under 40. Okay, interesting. Now, uh, between Snoop Diggity Dog and Smashing Pumpkins, I, I mean, I'm happy to report at least half of that combination right there um, has some semblance of respect for America, the Constitution, and what this country stands for. And we're not talking about Snoop Diggity Dog. Um, but uh, uh, interesting enough, uh, Robbie Starbuck here has actually been a rising star in Tennessee politics. And he's been favorited among his constituents in his district, but also among many uh, Trump supporters in office and candidates uh, who have received the um, uh, the endorsement of President Trump, or who are running on the America First um, America First message? Um, we have a Newsweek article here that actually goes into that. Donald Trump supporters denounce his decision not to endorse Robbie Starbuck. Now that's rather strong, but you know, outfits like the Newsweek like to use really strong words. Uh, so this way, uh, everyone else thinks that MAGA is falling apart, right? And Trump has uh, lost his base. Um, but uh, let's see what this article says, and uh, we'll move on to our next Trump statement. It says, a number of Donald Trump supporters have openly disagreed with who he wants elected in Tennessee's 5th Congressional District. I mean, come on, we're dealing with uh, Rhino Abbott here in Texas, guys, and uh, Trump endorsed him. We don't want Abbott, but uh, well... What you gonna do, right? Maybe we should get Ivanka and uh, that ward guy to uh, go tell President Trump to, uh, uh, you know, endorse someone else. Anyways, it says, uh, um, believing the former president should have picked Republican congressional candidate Robbie Starbuck instead. Now, it uh, tells us again about his statement and who he picked and how happy they were for each other and, uh, you know, their... their um, joviality over it. But it says here, following the announcement, a number of staunch Trump supporters said they believe he has backed the wrong candidate 
and that he should have endorsed Starbuck, the conservative filmmaker who announced his intention to run for Congress last July. And that was actually at CPAC 2021 when he made that announcement. Among those who said Trump should have backed Starbuck was former White House aide Sebastian Gorka and Carrie Lake, a Republican gubernatorial candidate in Arizona who has received Trump's endorsement. In a reply to a Gorka tweet stating, I'm with Robbie Starbuck, Lake wrote, me too. She then added, Robbie Starbuck is one of the top voices in the movement. He is critical to take the Trump Republicans and America First movement to the next level. I fully support him. In a separate tweet, Lake added, Robbie Starbuck is a patriot who loves America. I endorsed Robbie months ago and believe he's exactly what we need in these difficult times. He's a God-fearing man who loves his wonderful family. He's a true citizen politician. Robbie will serve the people of Tennessee well. North Carolina Congressman and Trump ally Madison Cawthorn also said uh, we'll still back Starbuck despite the former president potentially going with Ortegas. I endorsed Robbie Starbuck months ago, and I stand by my endorsement, Cawthorn tweeted. He is the best candidate in the country right now. The MAGA movement needs him in Congress. Conservative pundit Candace Owens also said that Trump has got his choice completely wrong and that Starbuck is the correct pick for Tennessee's 5th District and Tennesseans have his back. As well as being a film and music video director, Starbuck, a political novice, is known for accumulating more than 212,000 followers on Twitter, where he frequently posts conservative views. He announced he's running for Congress last June with a video endorsement from Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. I don't endorse many people for Congress, but I'm endorsing Robbie Starbuck because he's one of the good guys, Paul said. According to his website, Starbuck will campaign to end COVID-19 related mandates, fight to keep critical race theory out of our schools and support calls for more police funding rather than having money normally given to law enforcement departments distributed elsewhere. Starbucks says, I, I'll fight all of the Marxist forces that want to destroy our way of life and our unique American identity. In short, I'll fight for common sense and American values. And there is another photo of Starbucks and President Trump tersely staring at the man. So very interesting, guys. Interesting story here just goes to show, you know, um... Sometimes uh, President Trump feels like a nut. No, just kidding. Sometimes, you know, uh, trust but verify. Trust but verify. So we'll see what happens, you know. It, and, you know, Ortegas hasn't even decided to run. Maybe he's just shining some light on her. I don't know. I'm not going to make any excuses, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but if she does decide to run, I suppose he will give an endorsement officially to the woman. And uh, that will upset, obviously, uh, the, his base in Tennessee. And uh, it, it may upset that entire election. Who knows, guys? Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. We will see what happens. But, uh, well, I don't, have a, you know, I don't have a horse in that race, so to speak. But, uh, indeed, I can uh, most definitely relate to uh, an endorsement from President Trump going to a candidate who is not particularly a choice that we'd want to choose. 
All right, uh, who's the man on the screen with the uh, vibrant sea green jacket that we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen? Sorry, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's rare that I see someone dressing in a more colorful blazer than I tend to wear myself. I don't have that color, but that, that, we're not talking about that. Okay, focus, Mr. C. Okay, so uh, on the screen, whom we have pictured here is a man who goes by the title of Representative, and his name is Representative Branchen. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's Janelle. My bad. Whoop. He did not have a sex change operation. This is Timothy Rantham, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, Timothy Rantham, that is a name that is not uh, unfamiliar to uh, the Sea Report. We've uh, talked about Tim Rantham uh, in previous shows. Most definitely a name that a lot of households in America are learning about uh, in the last 24 hours or so, as this man has created uh, um, an endless stream of headlines and waves in the political uh, background and foreground of the state of Wisconsin, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, as we announced or as we shared yesterday... We have uh, we have the state of Wisconsin um, filing a resolution to uh, recall the electors for the 2020 general election, uh, which would, in effect, uh, decertify the election. Because if you sign off to certify electors and you retract those electors, well, that would... Um, essentially decertify the race, right? So uh, we got that going on in Wisconsin. And uh, hey, Deplora Laura, how's it going? So we have, uh, we have Tim Rantham here. He, uh, he moved to decertify with a resolution, a privileged resolution in the uh, House yesterday in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, news broke rather late in the evening. We were, we were fortunate enough to catch it, to share it. And uh, so, you know, we're going to kind of flesh that out today. Now, again, just as a recap for those who are listening or those who haven't heard, everyone's heard about it by now. But we have a we have we have a listenership and a viewership that reaches beyond, uh, you know, comfortable boundaries. Um, we have uh, Representative Rantham calling for a point of order in the House yesterday uh, during an open session of the Wisconsin Assembly. Um, he did that by asking for a privileged resolution and his legislation was referred to the Rules Committee per parliamentary rules. Um, and then debate continued on an existing bill, 743, in the Assembly. Okay, so he used, uh, he used a resolution that was privileged to get to the floor. Uh, this way, they were able to do a vote within the session that was currently in place. And the result was a unanimous yay or yes. Uh, and that vote moved the legislation to the Rules Committee. And, uh, well, it is now in the hands of one rhino speaker, Robin Voss, whom we've also talked about quite a few times here on the Sea Report and, uh, you know, spared no mentioning. Oh, we absolutely did mention all of the things that add up to his, uh, his rhino-ness, at least in the face of election integrity, when we're talking about everything that he has done to thwart election integrity, and to offer false and empty promises to the people of Wisconsin uh, in regards to his efforts to ensure there was no fraud in the 2020 general election. So Robin Voss, this legislation by Tim Rantham is now in his hands. 
So uh, Speaker Voss and the rest of the representatives on this rules committee have 10 days to answer back on whether uh, they are going to push it to the floor, this legislation, so they can vote on it. Or if they're not going to <laughs> not going to vote on it, so it is not clear what the Wisconsin Senate will do at this point because they also now have uh, this a copy of this legislation in their um, in their uh, in their um, uh, respective sector of the Wisconsin government. Now, Representative Rantham, he used uh, you know the rules of the House. Um, he used the Constitution in order to get this done, setting a great example for all of the politicians and elected officials out there who may not have the nerve to get off the fence and uh, stand up for their constituents, stand up for the Constitution, and stand up for what is right when we uh, consider the amount of, um, uh, of fraud and uh, deception that occurred during the 2020 presidential election. Uh, so uh, the assembly, again, they voted on the resolution to have a passage to the rules committee. Um, and uh, you, this actually caught the attention of President Trump. Now, uh, they hadn't made a fancy graphic for this uh, statement, but uh, I wanted to go ahead and share that with you guys from the desk of President Trump. Uh, President Trump saith, Congratulations to Tim Ramthun, state representative of Wisconsin, for putting forward a powerful and very popular, because it's true, resolution to decertify the 2020 presidential election in Wisconsin based on the recently found absolute proof of large-scale voter fraud that took place. Representative, Representative Ramtham's resolution details tremendous amounts of election fraud, including 44,272 voters who did not show proper voter identification, which alone is more than twice the margin necessary to win. Thousands of emails that show election manipulation by Mark Zuckerberg's funding, irregularities in the state's voter registrations like 400 registered voters at a single address, the Wisconsin Election Commission committing felony crimes by knowingly ordering illegal voting at nursing homes and so much more, only one state senator needs to co-sponsor the resolution for it to be put to a vote in each chamber. Which American patriot from the state Senate will step forward? Great job, Representative Rantham. Even the Democrats and rhinos cannot object to all the evidence that has been exposed. So admittedly, you know, uh, we had a very giddy celebratory moment here on the show yesterday uh, upon the sharing of this news, which I stand by as being justified, of course, because uh, this is the first time a motion like this has uh, been put into, uh, has moved forward in the House, as it were. Now, Rantham actually, this is actually the second time that he has done this. Uh, in regards to decertifying the election or recalling the electors. The first time he did it, uh, I believe, was back in November, December. You didn't see Mr. C getting all giddy about that, but that's because uh, he was, uh, he was uh, putting forward uh, legislation 
a resolution in order to uh, get the recall done. And uh, that was quickly stricken down by uh, Representative Steinecke, who happens to also sit on uh, the Wisconsin Assembly Rules Committee. Uh, he happens to be the chair. Steinecke is a rhino who is uh, extremely opposed to uh, decertification or recalling of the electors. Indeed, uh, Steine, St uh, Steinecke is uh, one of those guys who has said already that uh, there's no way it's going to get past this committee. But by using the rules of privilege, uh, Rantham was able to move that forward. So, uh, well, you know, a lot of this is going to hinge on uh, what, what happens then. But like I was saying, first time that this is on record, uh, and now, judicially speaking, they have all of the evidence being accepted and submitted officially on the record. So let the record state that uh, there is this evidence and uh, this evidence is enough to suggest a lack of confidence in what occurred in the presidential elections of 2020. And uh, that, that record will stand, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, like I said, now the legislation is moving on to the next level, as we mentioned last night as well. It's not over yet, uh, but it's most definitely, I think, a signal to other states in this nation. Uh, or perhaps maybe uh, it's a learning moment. Maybe Tim Rantham opened up a door to show other uh, House legislatures and other states how they could go about doing this if they hadn't thought about it before. But as of right now, the resolution is still alive. And uh, in the Rules Committee, again, this is chaired by Steinecke and it is led by Robin Voss. Now, these are two known rhinos in the Wisconsin GOP. Okay. Um, um, but, um, well, well, we'll have to see, guys, because, again, it could fail. Very well, it could fail. Uh, but... The evidence is now on record, and uh, it will also shine a lot of light on um, on uh, what uh, uh, who stands where in regards to election integrity. Uh, I'm willing to believe at this point that the constituents, the people of Wisconsin, are vocal uh, and uh, share their thoughts and opinions with their elected officials on exactly how they feel about the way things went in 2020. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, there will be a, a very, very uh, turnover of uh, representatives, you know, come election time. Uh, now, uh, to be sure, uh, just so that we uh, can establish this, uh, this is primarily for the um, uh, people of Wisconsin. If we have any viewers who happen to pick up this broadcast, uh, you would really be encouraged to contact these representatives in your state and let them know exactly how they should vote on this resolution. Uh, you have Representative Steinecke, Representative Voss, uh, Representative August, Representative Peterson, Representative Vorpagel, uh, Representative Kuglich, Representative Tittle, uh, Plummer, Dittrich Neubauer, Hesselbein Spritzer, Subek, Pope and Baldi, or Balde, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. Uh, so most definitely, uh, I, we would encourage you guys here, down in the Lodestar State and abroad, 
to contact these individuals because uh, there's already li a little bit of history that's been made here, guys, you know, uh, whether that be uh, national history book stuff or just Wisconsin, you know, law um, history there. There's a little bit of history that's happening right here and is most definitely a cause that we all stand behind. Uh, so let's see, what do I got next for you guys? Here's uh, from the Gateway Pundit, an update on uh, Representative Rantham's resolution. Says that it is packed with facts showing a corrupted election. Um, rules suggest his resolution may not be dead in committee. Oh, so what do you got to say about that, the Gateway Pundit? Uh, there's Representative Rantham. Okay. Okay, so this uh, just catches everyone up with what was going on and how it went down. It says here, the resolution in itself is damning and some reports is damning in nature. Uh, below is Rantham's resolution, which is seven pages filled with accusations of the fraudulent activities related to the 2020 election. When read by an independent and objective observer, this resolution is damning. Here is only one paragraph in the resolution. It says, whereas at its December 8th, 2021 public hearing, the Assembly Committee on Campaigns and Elections heard testimony from experts analyst Jeff O'Donnell, who found a multitude of irregularities when he analyzed data from the Wisconsin voter rolls, including that 93.7% of active voters participated in the 2020 general election, 205,355 voter registration applications were dated November 3rd, 2020. 957,977 individuals registered as new voters in 2020 and 45,665 voters who registered did not have matching division of motor vehicle records. 22% of active voters registered in the six months leading up to November 3rd, 2020, and 31,872 of those voters who registered in that six-month period are now listed as inactive, and 42,000 voters who voted in November 3rd, 2020 election are now listed as inactive. And here's the entire resolution. Interesting. So that's a... That's a that's a lot of info there, guys. And uh, let's see here. Then they have the video, but we're not going to look at that. It says, uh, as soon as the resolution was addressed by the House, the Rhino House Rules Committee Chair, Representative Steinecke tweeted that the resolution would never get past his committee. Uh, but hold on now. Last night, there were several individuals that went through the Wisconsin State Legislature Assembly rules and discussed some rules in the Wisconsin State Assembly that indicate... This resolution may not die in the Wisconsin Rules Committee. Rule 43.1 on privileged resolution states, any resolution or joint resolution relating to the officers, members, former members, procedures, or organizations of the assembly or legislature is privileged in that it may be offered under any order of business by a member who has the floor and may be taken up immediately before all other proposals unless referred by the presiding officer to a standing committee or to the calendar. So that is the rule that he used to, uh, to dish out this resolution. Um, and it looks like, uh, well, yeah, we know it was referred to the rules committee. We watched the video. Um, assuming that it is a standing committee, then that appears proper. However, according to online discussions, rule 61 also addresses rules of privilege uh, rule 61 states the following, and it says here to note rule number six. So let's check that out. 
Hmm. Well, let's see what this has to say here. It says, uh, this is from um, Red Arrow Patriot. And uh, they say, um, according to the discussion tonight, Marcus D. pointed out that if Rantham's resolution fails to get traction in the Rules Committee, he may be able to introduce an amended version of the resolution to the Assembly and call it for a floor vote. So we don't need 13 rhinos to change their minds, but at least we'd know where everyone stands. And uh, the 13 rhinos he is referring to happen to be uh, those who serve on the Rules Committee. It looks like there may be strong arguments preventing crooked rhinos from burying this resolution. And then, then again, there is a list of all of the representatives who currently serve on the Rules Committee, including the big rhino himself, Papa Voss. And we'll just go ahead and let that uh, list of representatives run its course through the screen in case anyone wants to see it. All right. Oh, look, it gives you some phone numbers, guys. 1-800-362-9472. Toll free. Let them know how you feel. Or 266-9960 if you're in Madison. Okay. Very good, ladies and gentlemen. Very good indeed. So uh, as per the usual, as we've come to see to be the norm here when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about uh, um, Representative Rhino Robin Voss and Tim Tim Brand um, I want to I keep wanting to say Branchin Janelle Branchin is the only other representative who is fighting for election integrity uh, outright. So I don't know why Branchin is on the top of my mind right now. I hope she's okay. God willing, God bless. But, okay, Representative Rantham, okay, because he's been vocal and active from day one, ladies and gentlemen, in regards to uh, um, the, what happened in the elections in 2020. But Robin Voss, as I have pointed out most repeatedly on this show, is a rhino with ties to uh, rhinos of ages. You know, he's a Paul Ryan rhino. He is right there with him, and he has uh, subverted election integrity in the state for many, a many, a many, a many a session. And uh, he, he's still going to continue it. Now, we actually um, had gone through some articles with, uh, in regards to Representative Rantham and uh, some of the things that he has discovered and or pointed out to the general public, as well as the people of Wisconsin. And this is about Robin Voss, okay? So that's why I was actually quite surprised to see that this happened, because um, what, where we left off in regards to Robin Voss on top of all of the lies and all of the fake committees and, and, uh, and audits that he has done in Wisconsin, right? And in, in, in lieu of all of that, we also discovered most recently that Robin Voss was actually one of the forces behind ensuring that the state of Wisconsin would have um, ballot drop boxes during the 2020 presidential election. He was he was not only was he behind it for the state of Wisconsin, he was actually one of the forces that supported it in the entire country, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Tim Rantham, the representative from Wisconsin, he pointed that out, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that was uh, that probably pissed 
Robin Voss off very much because after all, Robin Voss, he got on that happy plane ride with President Trump to Alabama. And then all of a sudden, things started to seem to shift in the state of Wisconsin in regard to election integrity and investigations because, uh, Robin Voss had already appointed Michael Gableman, you know, the bulldog who's been going after uh, the Center for Tech and Civic Life and Zuckerbucks in Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Five, that guy who he, he seemed to be doing nothing. But after Alabama, all of a sudden they turned the burners on and you got subpoenas going out. You got people going and investigating and it's all Michael Gableman who's moving that. Okay. Now, admittedly, Tim Rantham thinks that uh, Michael Gableman, nothing will come of that. That remains to be seen, but uh, that was a product of uh, Robin Voss's, um, uh, you know, uh, design. And, uh, you know, Michael Gableman suddenly activated after that, uh, that plane ride between Voss and President Trump. But, but, and this is a big but, ladies and gentlemen, not as big as Stacey Abrams' but, but it's a big but nonetheless. Tim Rantham exposed Robin Voss, okay? Robin Voss very well knew that according to state law for elections, they could not have drop boxes, okay? Now, um, as we uh, shared with you guys before, it was during this report that Tim Rantham put out. Um, and this was uh, Rantham's uh, Let There Be Light series, where he's talking about everything that happened in uh, Wisconsin during 2020. And uh, it says here, right as it is highlighted, uh, that uh, upon, more a, upon a more extensive review of the case, it was discovered that the Dropbox effort was organized by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA was present at Senator Bernier's press conference alongside the Center for Elections, Innovation, and Research. So might I stop right here and inform that Senator Bernier was opposed to, uh, to um, stopping the electors from moving forward. She was very happy with Biden taking Wisconsin in spite of all of the fraud, which at that time was not as um, was not as fleshed out as as it is now, but based on you know I don't know the millions of ballots that were dropped off overnight and the drop boxes also being against state legislation, um, she she did not support you know um, any including Rantham and Branchin's efforts to um, hold off on certifying the electors before investigating. Okay. Now, uh, she was there with CISA and also, uh, it looks like the, uh, Center for Elections and Innovation and Research. And might I add guys, those two organizations are talked about in the Devolution series. And, uh, while I haven't finished parsing through it, that section, I think it's article number five in the Devolution series, really expands on how this went down. And we'll we'll probably have to dissect that at some point on this show. How about when we talk about those damn election machines, the voting machines? Ah, when we talk about them, we'll talk about Devolution number five because that has a lot to do with it. Anyways, uh, uh, Representative Rantham's article continues. Uh, CISA worked in conjunction with the with other national organizations 
organizations like the Center for Tech and Civic Life, like the Center for Elections, Innovation and Research. But the most concerning of note is the National Conference of State Legislatures, which promoted CIS's campaign of illegal drop boxes on October 2nd, 2020. The National Conference of State Legislatures president at that time was the Speaker of Wisconsin State Assembly, Rhino Robin Voss, who later appointed a special counsel investigation into the 2020 election under a contract that states the findings may only be reported to he himself. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And then not only that, aside from the whole Dropbox thing, it appears that other members of the NCSL also opposed reclaiming 10 electors for the state of Wisconsin. So basically what you have here is uh, Tim Rantham blowing the blowing it wide open on Robin Voss, uh, defining exactly what kind of a rhino this man is. And, you know, that's why I say, yeah, lefties, progressives, socialists, communist sympathizing Democrats, very, very dangerous to the state of this nation and liberty. But rhinos are far more dangerous than any Antifa fascist out there because they are lying to us about their position, ladies and gentlemen. Far more dangerous than any left-leaning liberal or Democrat out there. So what happens to Timothy Rantham at that point once uh, he's blown the lid off on uh, Speaker Robin Voss? Well... It seems that there was a little bit of retaliation on the part of Speaker Robin Voss. Now, uh, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Dang it. No, Robin, we, we don't want to see your ugly face yet. Get off the screen, buddy. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Wrong button. From the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, they shared this bit of information. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss disciplines GOP lawmaker who is the most vocal denier of 2020 election outcome. That seems more like reprisal. That seems more like retaliation. That seems more like, well, you did this, so I'm going to do this to you so I can show you, right? I mean, come on. There's got to be grounds for harassment there or something. Let's see what the article says about this. This is an, this is, <laughs> oh, the drama. Okay, it says uh, the Republican leader of the state assembly on Thursday placed sanctions on one of his members who has for more than a year falsely, that's the Sentinel Journal saying that, not me, falsely claimed President Trump won the 2020 election in Wisconsin and has proposed legislation to pull back Wisconsin's electoral votes, which is impossible, according to them. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss stripped Representative Timothy Rantham of Campbell Sport of his only staffer, he had more than one staffer, after Rantham falsely accused Voss of signing a deal with attorneys for former Democrat presidential candidate Hillary Clinton to authorize ballot drop boxes according to Voss's office. Voss told reporters Thursday that no one agrees with Rantham's claim. Don't you just love it when they use like that invisible crowd of the world against you? So uh, a typical Democrat. So uh, uh, 
But Voss told reporters Thursday that no one agrees with Rantham's claim that Wisconsin can revoke the 10 electoral votes it delivered to President Joe Biden more than a year ago. He said an election review he authorized last summer is aimed at changing how future elections are conducted. There are some who believe there's one who believes that we somehow have the right to withdraw electoral votes. Yeah, well, if there was fraud, yeah, do. Even though every lawyer that we have worked with in Wisconsin says we cannot undo the 2020 elections, Voss said. You know, Representative Rantham has that belief. That's his right. But I think that we were fo- what we're focusing on is not the past. We are looking at uh, stealing elections in the future. Uh, Rantham did not return a phone conversation. So let's see here. Intraparty tension exposed. The move underscores the tension between Voss and members of his caucus who do not believe Voss is doing enough to litigate the outcome of the 2020 election despite the ongoing taxpayer-funded election review Voss authorized in 2021. So now it's going to talk to you about Gableman, and I wouldn't be surprised if it tells you that they're wasting, uh, you know, taxpayer money. Okay, so there you go. So uh, yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I don't know, was there a report or I saw an interview maybe where they were talking about, like he did have, he had a assigned staffer, but he had more people that worked in his office. And uh, it was very, very, uh, it, was, it was kind of sad hearing about that the day it happened. This happened like, I don't know, a week and a half to two weeks ago. So I don't know. I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe it was that move that uh, Robin Voss made that uh, spurred Timothy Rantham on to take this step in uh, submitting a resolution uh, privileged on the assembly floor. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, boss, you're going to do that. I'm going to do this. Okay, So maybe that's what drove it. Maybe that's what uh, inspired him to just counterpunch in an in, in astoundingly powerful counterpunch in my opinion as far as that goes now we can look at your ugly mug speaker of the house rhino robin voss so all of this activity guys all of this drama happening up in the great cheese state that is wisconsin uh and this information this insight into exactly how intricate a role that robin voss had in getting these drop boxes in Wisconsin and the rest of the nation sent off some flags, but also caught the attention of President Trump. Uh, President Trump, in fact, released a statement. Uh, this was on Monday. He, he said, some rhino Republicans in Wisconsin are working hand in hand with others to have drop boxes again placed in Wisconsin. What you mean again, President Trump? And it says, uh, these fools are playing right into the Democrats' hand. Drop boxes are only good for Democrats and cheating, not good for Republicans. Or the rest of America, President Trump. I would have to add on to that. So, uh, well, you know, they use the drop boxes, obviously, in 2020. But And we know now that Robin Voss had a huge hand in that happening. Uh, but as it turns out... As some of you may know, on January 13th of this year, um, a judge by the name of Michael Borens ruled that absentee ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting are not permitted in state law. Huh. So Judge Boren also ruled that the Wisconsin Elections Commission's guidance documents on absentee ballot drop boxes 
issued in 2020 should have gone through the rules process through it should have gone through standard operating procedure which means it's gotta go through the re, uh, the legislation legislature it cannot just be some commissioner willy-nilly issuing uh, you know uh, mandates and edicts and all that stuff uh, everything that we saw in 2020 with covid yeah reflected in our elections as well. Uh, the Legislative Audit Bureau's report identified 28.7% of municipal clerks all across Wisconsin used illegal drop boxes in the 2020 election. So based on this ruling on January 13th, drop boxes are illegal to use in the state of Wisconsin. Well, hey, that is a great thing. Uh, but again, President Trump did say that uh, that they're at it again. So what is up with that? Well, uh, the Gateway Pundit reported that um, they had new information from two sources that Speaker Rhino Voss was up to more to no good again. He said it said that Voss knows that he cannot push a bill through the Wisconsin House asking for more ballot drop boxes inserted into the state for the next election. So he is clandestinely working with the Wisconsin Senate to push through such a bill. So he's not done yet, apparently. Uh, it says um, they received information uh, from two trusted sources that Speaker Voss is working with outgoing rhino Senator Kathy Bernier. Oh, the same woman who opposed um, holding off on certifying the electors. Uh, she apparently criticized fellow members of her party who wanted an audit of the state's 2020 election as well. Um, it is shocking that after all the actions that Speaker Voss took in 2020, that he would now be interested in adding drop boxes. See, this guy is like... I don't think that there is any type of, uh, of, um, there's, uh, he's, he's lost to us guys. He just needs to go period. He needs to be primaried out. He needs to be uh, removed. Uh, there is no way that this man is going to try. He's not even asking for forgiveness. He's, he's already been smacked down twice. He, he's been humiliated for his involvement with the drop boxes. And, and while he didn't sign any contracts with, uh, you know, Mark, um, uh, Mark Elias, what's his name? Elias Wright, the attorney for uh, the Clinton campaign in 2016. Uh, Elias was quick to point out Voss's support in order to defend the Democrats in Wisconsin against this ruling by that judge. So it's just, uh, the article says that all that one has to do is ask the state to provide a valid chain of custody documentation on all ballots recorded in the 2020 election. And you will have evidence that the 2020 election results in Wisconsin never should have been certified. And it's that way across the board, ladies and gentlemen. For example, if they have a similar, um, a similar uh, a ruling in, uh, in Georgia, for, for example, uh, what if they have a privileged resolution type of deal there? Someone could say, hey, look at all of these, um, all of these um, um, ballots that were not uh, following the proper chain of custody. And they already have the evidence there. We've seen there's been so much evidence uncovered in Georgia as well as why I was saying yesterday uh, between Wisconsin and Georgia. I didn't know which state was going to decertify first or, you know, put a motion on the table because obviously uh, 
who he knew it wasn't going to happen in Arizona uh, because of uh, whatever the holdup is over there. But we'll get to that at the conclusion of tonight's uh, report, which is uh, coming right up, guys. Now, um, let's see. They talk about this. Um, they talk about this. Uh, this bill that Robin Voss is working on with this uh, um, trader Bernier, right? It says that is a 22-page long report, and it has not been given an official name yet. But apparently, on page six of the document, uh, there is wording that is related to additional drop boxes. Additional drop boxes, as if uh, I guess um, they were not intending to get rid of the drop boxes currently in place. I don't know, but that's what it sounds like to me. It says the fact that Speaker Voss would push such a program that was as destructive in the 2020 election as his state it would be now is very puzzling. There's nothing puzzling about it, guys. There's nothing puzzling about it in my eyes, at least. Here is a copy of that bill. Preliminary draft for it anyways. Let's see what it says. We're not going to read it all, obviously. We are going to just skip down to page number six so we can read the facts for ourselves and see what Robin Boss is up to. So taking a look at this law that they are working on, uh, what page are we on? Page five and page six. Okay, here we go. Let's let's start somewhere. Uh, okay, so it says uh, absentee ballot drop boxes. Under current law, a voter may return his or her absentee ballot by mailing it or delivering it in person to the municipal clerk. Under the bill, a voter may return his or her absentee ballot by mailing it or delivering it in person to the office of the municipal clerk, except that the voter may return it to his or her polling place on the day of election or a drop box authorized by the municipal clerk that is on the premises where the municipal clerk's office is permanently located and accessible for drive up delivery. Uh, also under the bill, it says here, the municipal clerk of a municipality with a population of 70,000 or more may authorize the use of up to three additional absentee ballot drop boxes on municipal property other than a public park. Such additional drop boxes do need to be accessible for drive-up delivery and must be under continuous video surveillance. Okay, so there you go. There is the language of the bill that is authorizing drop boxes. So uh, clearly trying to sneak this into some type of a vote. Now, uh, X101.7 News says that uh, Voss won't say whether he supports absentee ballot drop boxes. He's already been caught with his pants down and his hand in the drop box. Everybody knows. I don't know. That kind of makes me think about this back and forth between Voss and Rantham. I'm glad Rantham punched back, guys. Because uh, he's totally, absolutely killed the political rear career of Voss. And uh, I would say, barring any type of fraud, Voss doesn't stand a chance. It says, uh, Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss refused to say Tuesday whether he would support legalizing absentee ballot boxes in the battleground state after President Trump spoke out against it. Voss in 2020 support, uh, voiced support for absentee ballot drop boxes while arguing against the collection of ballots in Madison Parks by election workers. Uh, I think we can skip down here. Let's see. Um, it just explains what they're doing. We already know this stuff. We already know the statement. Um, and we already know uh, how many uh, phantom votes uh, Biden won by. 
uh, and what they're doing in Wisconsin to uh, fight the fraud. So it says here, a bill being worked on by retiring Republican Senator Kathy Bernier, a former election clerk, would authorize absentee ballot boxes at municipal clerks' offices only. It would allow cities with at least 70,000 people to install up to three additional drop boxes on municipal-owned property other than public parks. A draft of the legislation was posted on the conservative website, The Gateway Pundit, on Sunday before Trump issued his statement. Bernier, Bernier has drawn fire from some conservatives after she criticized Republicans who are pushing conspiracy theories about the 2020 election and how it was run in Wisconsin. The bill and others being worked on are in reaction to recommendations from both a review of the election by the nonpartisan Legislative Audit Bureau and one by the conservative Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Uh, there is also an ongoing investigation by Michael Gableman, the bulldog. We talked about that. Voss at a Tuesday news conference did not directly address the Trump statement or where he stands on ballot drop boxes after being asked about it, saying only that there is legislation making its way through the process. And uh, apparently he also defended the letter sent on his behalf by his attorney to Madison City Clerk in September 2020, supporting the use of absentee ballot drop boxes. Yes, he wholeheartedly supports drop boxes. I don't know, guys. I don't know. So um, this could perhaps, you know, be, a, be a, a learning moment for our president. But it's shining the light, guys. Oh, it's shining the light ever so widely. Um at this point, guys, we have uh, we have rhinos outing themselves. And again, in previous years, rhinos may not have felt the heat or, you know, have not felt that they were in danger by uh, proudly displaying who they really work for. And by that, I mean not the people. Um, but we're living in a different time now, ladies and gentlemen. We are living in a time where we have a very active and cognizant... Um, constituency, uh, one that is oh, actively watching and observing every move that these so-called elected representatives are making. So let them, let them do what they do. Let them make their decisions. Let them kill this resolution that was set forth by uh, Representative Rantham in the House. Uh, I mean, you know, because it will further expose them. And again, the litmus test that we should apply to all those in an official capacity as uh, as being elected is how they view election integrity, election audits, and to really press them what they think about the 2020 presidential election, guys, uh, because their answer will say it all. Ladies and gentlemen, their answer will say it all. And that, as they say is all I got to say about that. Now for our final story for tonight, guys, we will... Oh, wait. Oh, let us all give a round of applause for this American hero, Representative Tim Rantham, and his coral blazer. All right, there we go. He's got a lot more colors. I love him. All right, good guy, good guy there. 
Arizona audit update, the final story for tonight, guys. Thank you again for hanging out with us here at the Sea Report. I know we are uh, we are live much later than we normally are, guys. So I do thank you again for your presence and your attendance here tonight. If you're joining us live over at the Foxhole, over at Clout Hub, over at Twitch, I uh, hope you guys are having a great evening. And uh, thank you again. Real quick, let me just uh, say a few uh, thank yous here. Uh, we got um, WC Cranop with 659 gold pills to liberty and justice. I will drop some gold pills for that, my friend. Thank you much. And uh, Pithaggy, thank you so much. Uh, nice to see you, sir. Oh, most definitely nice to see you, Pithaggy. Always happy when we have uh, uh, repeat offenders popping back into the, uh, into the uh, chat rooms and the audience, guys. Great to have you with us. And uh, WC Cranop dropping another 154. Just like 76 as last two. Kick. Ah, uh, you talking a 76 there. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that, WC Cranop. I most definitely appreciate that. Let them dig their own political grave, says Two Rivers. And that is exactly what these fools are doing. And let them do it. Let them do it. Um, you know, I mean, they're only making our job easier. If we couldn't see who they were before, we're going to see them now. All right, guys, let's talk about Arizona so we can wrap it up for this evening and call it a night. What we got going over there. So there have been a few updates that we haven't gotten to. Uh, these are within a week of uh, the news coming out. Um, uh, news about uh, about what's going on with Brnovich. What's going on with the investigation and the audit? Is there an investigation going on? Is Brnovich just sitting on the report? Is he using it to uh, wipe his derriere? Um, what is what has the man been doing besides hibernating in his bear cave? Okay. Uh, well, we have an update from uh, Senate President Karen Fan which I am absolutely most happy to share with you guys because uh, it's just like the old days, guys, when we were sharing updates from Kelly Ward and Karen Fan. Oh, do you remember those days, ladies and gentlemen? They were days that were filled with hope and they were days that were filled with the possibility that we would see the decertification happening in Arizona first. Well, guys, we've learned better, but uh, that's what this process has been. This process has been about learning this process has been about, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, patience and integrity and faith, I would say, by most far, but as well as learning about being active, an active citizen when it comes to uh, what's happening in our country and in our state and in our city and in our backyard. Ladies and gentlemen, we've learned a thing or two over the time. We have grown so uh, let's see what we can learn from Karen Fan about the Arizona audit report and uh, A.G. Brnovich. Let's take a listen. Jordan Conrad, so with the Gateway Fund, now I'm here with Arizona Senate President Karen Fan. So, Senate President Fan, what are you looking forward to this legislative session? Mm -hmm. To try and get out with the least amount of blood as possible. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, last session was it was a, a bit tumultuous um, and then compound that with the fact that it's an election year. So we've got people running against each other and redistricting happening. So, yeah, it's just going to add a little bit more to everything we're doing. That's right. Um, so I, I came in your office in the front door. I don't think you have a back door. Um, what's the update on this router and spot log analysis? Yeah, um, so uh, Congressman Shattuck, the special master, he has, uh, 
he has gone through, I, I can't even tell you how many IT experts that he's tried to get. One of the, the problems and the delays is, is that me, that there's a lot of people that just don't even want to work on it for fear that they will trash them. It's a no win. If they find a problem, they're going to be a trash for finding it. And if they don't find a problem, they're going to be trash for not finding it. So that's be, that has been a difficult deal. The second most difficult thing is trying to find three IT people that don't have a conflict of interest. So for example, they thought we had it all worked out a few weeks ago with that third one. And, um, and then uh, the AG is the one that nixed that one because they did some work for American Oversight. Well, we know where we're at with American Oversight on this. So anybody that's connected to them, there's no way that they can be impartial. So we do think we have uh, the last one narrowed down right now. So we should be ready to rock and roll. That's good. Um, yeah, so rumors are going around that John Shattuck, the choosing John Shattuck for the special master agreement would mean that it's never going to happen. Can you assure us that it's going to happen? Yeah, it's going to happen. And not, not only because we have, we maintain the right of subpoenaing. So, and I, just so you know that, um, you know, Mr. Shattuck has been very forward, uh, front forward with me. He's been, in, if I text him, he texts me back. I say what's going on. He does it. Um, but he knows full well that we maintain the ability to issue subpoenas. And that was my last text to him is, okay, everybody's getting a little restless. We're getting frustrated. We want to wrap this up. We want this information. And if we can't get this done um, quickly now, get on it. I said, then my members are asking, when are we ready to start reissuing the subpoenas? Um, or reach out to maybe the attorney general and ask him if he wants to subpoena those as part of his investigation. So we have options. I'm just letting him know that everybody's patience is getting thin. That's right. So I know you're looking forward to the results of the investigation as is America, quite frankly. Um, it's been four months almost. When are you expecting some kind of uh, result? Um, well, I'm expecting the results to come in when they've dotted their I's and crossed their T's. I know people are frustrated about not getting the quote results from uh, Attorney General Brnovich. So, and for those listeners who aren't familiar, I think most of them are by now. Um, remember, our job as the Senate, our job is to pass laws and to make sure laws are working. And if they're not, we make new laws. That's why we had subpoena power, because we have the ability to subpoena whatever we need to make laws. It is the attorney general's job to ensure that the laws are being followed and to prosecute and do the enforcement side of it. That's why we turned that piece over to him, because that's his job. We don't enforce laws. We don't have the constitutional authority to enforce laws. He does. So he has opened up an investigation. I can tell you that it is... Um, extensive. They have pulled numerous, numerous people. I, I don't even know all the details because remember, these are things that you don't talk about in public. Um, if you're looking at a grand jury, if you are looking at um, some sort of potential indictments or whatever path that he goes down based on everything he finds out and these mistakes that were done, were they done out of incompetence or were they, were they done intentionally, which would indicate that there may be some fraud there. That's for him to decide. And so he has to make sure that everything he does, not only does he have to prove and back up 
everything that we gave to him to whatever extent that might be, then he has to go to the next step and determine, okay, how do we handle this? And so it's not appropriate for him to talk about it. And hey, there's even more coming out. All right. Thank you, Senator Pham. You bet. You bet. Thank you, Jordan. All right. So uh, that was a a nice brief interview, but uh, something about Senator Fan, I must say, is uh, if she is uh, if she's not someone that would scare the heck out of me (laughs) if I uh, pissed her off or something like that. She's very good at uh, setting that comforting and reassuring tone. That is for sure. So, um, there you, well, there you have it. So according to Senator Fan, they are still actively working on it. This John Chadig, who's a special master. Uh, I know, uh, we kind of looked into him a little bit, uh, back in the day when they first announced this, like what, uh, I don't know, three or four months ago. Um, but not a whole lot of information about him as far as his voting record. He used to serve for the state of Arizona at some capacity, um, but, uh, apparently, so you, there we have attorney general Brnovich is reportedly taking this investigation seriously in spite of his nunchucks and his hunting and his, uh, I don't know, kowtowing around with people. Um, he vetoed a company apparently that was involved in this, uh, this, um, uh, IT department uh, area that they're looking at with the special investigator. And again, a uh, master. And again, that's the Splunk logs, the routers, all that good stuff. Uh, but the reason why he vetoed one of the companies that they were trying to use the special master was because they had ties to American oversight, whom we all know is a leftist watchdog group that has been trying to hinder the uh, election of the audit, the audit of the election since the first day. Uh, Brnovich's investigators have brought numerous people in for questioning, including state legislators and other officials, in order to get to the bottom of November 3rd, 2020. And the Arizona Senate still has the power of subpoena uh, to subpoena these items if the investigation does not begin soon. I would say if the investigation does not end soon. So again... Uh, respecting an open investigation, as we can see here. They're not sharing information. Maybe uh, Brnovich's nunchucks is just to throw uh, the Dems off and, uh, you know, those who hate America. Maybe it's just to throw them off his trail so that they think he too is doing nothing just like we do, ladies and gentlemen. But that was good to have a little update, a little update. One final update from the state of Arizona. Uh, in, in lieu of us having decertification and any type of righting of the wrongs done in 2020 in Arizona, nevertheless, the state legislators are moving forward in advancing uh, you know, bills um, uh, to uh, um, further strengthen or to strengthen the integrity of their elections, the security, all that good stuff in the state of Arizona. Let's take a look real quick at what this article has to say. Uh, I believe this one is also from the Gateway Pundit, or it might be from, uh, I think it is from the Gateway Pundit. We did a lot of Gateway Pundits tonight, guys. Eh? They're the ones that uh, tell us the stories, right? So uh, it says, uh, Arizona Senate Committee passes seven election integrity bills, including ballot fraud, countermeasures, ballot images will be public record. Cool. And there's a copy of a ballot pictured there. And that's the new Arizona ballot prototype. I remember it being shiny whenever, uh, 
they showed it to us before, but anyhow. It says, seven critical election integrity bills were passed by Republicans on the Arizona Senate Government Committee on Monday. The Arizona audit discovered evidence of over 700,000 ballots, discrepancies, and law violations that occurred during the 2020 presidential election. And the Arizona legislature is working to secure elections in 2022 and beyond. Okay, let's see here. Talks about the audit. All right. Talks about what Gateway Pundit reported. Okay. Um, let's see here. We'll move on and on and on. Let's get to these. Uh, let's get to these laws, guys. Jazz hands. Okay, Carrie Lake, etc. Okay, so on Monday, the Senate government government committee voted yes on uh, Senate Bill uh, 1008, 1009, 1012, 1013, 1054, 1119, 1120, and 1133. Seven bills passed, concentrated on elections. The remaining bills were rescheduled for the committee due to time. The newly passed legislation covers recount margins, adds currency-grade fraud measures to ballots, makes ballot images public records, prevents elections by mail, and fights illegal voters using the federal-only loophole. Republicans on this committee outnumbered Democrats four to three, and every bill passed on party lines. Democrats did not vote for a single election integrity measure. If passed in full, SB 1119 and 1120 will make ballot images available to voters and require ballots to be printed with ballot fraud countermeasures. These bills are designed to make elections fully transparent with an auditable trail of secure ballots. Uh, the Gateway Pundit reported on these election integrity measures unveiled by Arizona State uh, Representative and Trump-endorsed candidate Mark Fincham, running for Secretary of State. Arizona Senate Majority Whip Sonny Borelli introduced these bills in the Senate. Ballots do not contain voters' personal information, and they will remain anonymous but publicly available for the 22-month record retention period under SB 1119. We vote in private, but we count in public, and your ballot is a public record, and it should be made that transparent, said State Senator Sonny Borelli. Uh, gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake also commented on this bill, saying, I'm going to be on the ballot and I'm worried about what happened to President Trump happening to me and others, Democrat and Republican. And I will urge you to support this bill and any other bill that would shore up our elections. SB 1120 or 11120, I guess they have a typo there, will require counties to use standardized ballots with 19 different security features, including a holographic design and watermarks. The, bill, the new ballots will also have the QR code that enables voters to track their votes using a smartphone. The bill will standardize the ballots and make it easier to audit the vote. The Arizona Senate-led audit of the Maricopa County discovered that the county used 10 different paper types in the 2020 election. Ballots should be standardized in a way that cannot be replicated. The estimated cost is a mere 25 cents per ballot. Democrats voted no on these bills, citing bandwidth and price concerns. What is bandwidth? Oh, I mean, I guess uploading all of those ballot images, you would have a bandwidth concern, but that's more of like a storage concern, I would think, than a bandwidth concern. But anyhow, so I'm not an IT guy, so don't ask me. Free and fair elections are priceless, so saith this article. So a very good. They hopped right on it as soon as they went back into session 
ladies and gentlemen, those who are working for their constituents in the state of Arizona. Okie doke, guys. That brings us to a conclusion for tonight's report. Thank you all again so much for hanging out with us as we went through all of that uh, important info, that uh, important intel on what is going on in the face of uh, election integrity in this country. I think uh, definitely a lot to chew on there and to mull over. But um, like I say, guys, you know, we have to uh, we have to stay positive and we have to remain faithful uh, in our country, uh, faithful in our peers, faithful in humanity in general, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the right thing will get done. Uh, we are at a point in history where, you know, for as much waking up of people that we do, you know, people of this audience, uh, content creators all around the world, live streamers, podcasters, pundits for the independents, journalists, as much as we do in expressing and sharing the truth and getting it out there, guys, as much as you guys do out there, uh, we're living in a time period where the opposition is making it very easy. They're basically like, you know, uh, slapping pots and pans together on the sleeping public and saying, wake up, look at me. Because they're just running afoul of things so hard, um, um, they're they're also assisting in this process. So let them let them destroy themselves as they are doing currently. Uh, we are on an uptick. I think the tide is rising in our harbor, and uh, we will rise with it, guys. We will rise to the occasion, and we will absolutely take back our republic, secure our elections, and right the wrongs of all the sins that have been uh, brought against this country and this nation and its people. It's just a question of time. So hold on tight and uh, don't grow weary. We're almost there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for tuning in to the Sea Report tonight. As uh, much appreciated, all of your attendance, uh, donations, and uh, the good spirits all around, guys. We will be back tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, yes, we will be back tomorrow. And uh, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I bid you all adieu and a great night. Be safe, be blessed, and as and as always, ooh, jump the gun there. God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs>